Welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jeff. And I'm also introducing our new brother in Christ from the clan McAuliffe, Robert McAuliffe. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Andrew. But you go by Bob. Yeah. That'll be fine. Well, we are doing a couple things here at Adventist City Ministries. The first being we are expanding our programming to not just our typical gospel series. We've We've covered that, and now we're moving on to other Bible studies. So, so one of the things you can expect from us is several different types of content. Today, we're going to be talking about Daniel and Revelation, but we'll also be branching out and talking about uh, city ministry and the Ephesus model, and we'll get to that in the, in the upcoming episodes. Uh, but I just want to make a reminder, please go to iTunes, give us a rating, a review, so that other people can understand what this is about, why you, why you like it so much. So it's also easier for people to find and, you know, gets higher up in the ratings and everything. So we would really appreciate that from you guys. So thank you for all of our longtime listeners. And if you're just joining us, you know, we want this to be a, a comfortable place where we can talk about church and ministry and what it means to be a, an active evangelistic Adventist in these days. You know, what does that look like? So, so today's episode is the beginning of our Daniel and Revelation series. So we're really just going to cover one verse today, but there's so much packed into it. I think we're going to do it from a different angle, not the, not the usual Adventisty kind of uh, Revelation seminar that you maybe you're used to. But really, since we've done this, all this uh, gospel work, how does, how does Daniel and Revelation connect to the gospel? So I'm really excited to do this. So what are you thinking, Jeff? How's it, what, are you, what are you looking at for this new series. Yeah, I think that it's going to be, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that idea of looking at um, prophecy in light of the gospel and how it unveils itself that way. Um, and it's important because we're, that's what we're building on. It's important for people to see that, that direct connection. And Daniel's really a great place to start with that notion. So I'm, I'm very excited about uh, the, the whole series about, you know, doing Daniel and then following up with Revelation so that we can see Jesus unfolded in so many ways. Great. Now, Bob, what does Daniel and Revelation mean to you? How do we, what, what kind of, uh, how, you know, what's the significance that it plays for us today, especially the book of Daniel? Yeah, well, we're focusing today on the book of Daniel. It has a lot of importance in enabling us to understand Revelation. I think a lot of people recognize that. If you read Revelation, you realize that Babylon's mentioned there and uh, different things that are also themes that run through the book of Daniel. But I, I, you know, I like the idea of how does this relate to the gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ really culminates with the cross of Jesus Christ. And in, in, the, in this study of Daniel, we're going to see historically where that's actually identified the timing of it. Um, some of the beautiful prophecies that, that will unfold, but, but we'll also, we'll also, uh, we'll also see this, this controversy that has been swirling now since the inception of sin in the garden uh, and how it's, how it's plays out in this, not only in, in, uh, in this kingdom, but how that relates to, to our time and space as well. All right. Wonderful. Well, let's get started. As we begin our lesson today, um, Bob, would you open up with a word of prayer, please? Uh, certainly. Gracious Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up this most precious book. And as we begin our study, we pray for uh, the promise that you have made of the Holy Spirit 
that he will come and enlighten our eyes and our ears to the, uh, uh, the truth that you have for, uh, stored here for us. So thank, these, thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so we're beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So what are we looking at here? Yeah, it, it kind of it sets the stage for everything that we're going to discuss over these two great books that we're looking at in Daniel and Revelation. It, because uh, Bob already mentioned that, you know, we see the, the, uh, the two main cities, Babylon and Jerusalem, they're, they're repeatedly used in the book of Revelation, but from a spiritual perspective. And so the way Daniel starts, it tells us that the, we're going to be informed about the big picture you know, that we like to call the, the great controversy of good and evil or, you know, the, the dark side of the force against the, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so we've got two uh, major players in this first uh, verse of Daniel. And uh, so it's good to see uh, the reason we want to take a look at this is because we're going to be able to see how both uh, are working towards their their end, so to speak. What is Babylon trying to do? What is Jerusalem trying, trying to do. And, you know, Bob, what, what, I mean, how, how do we connect those two cities? You know, what do we connect them to ultimately? Yeah, the, those, those cities come up very prominently in the book of Revelation as well. Babylon is mentioned there, and uh, so is Jerusalem. Um, Jerusalem, of course, the city of Jerusalem uh, is a representation in Revelation ultimately as the bride of Christ. We see it from, from that standpoint. And, and also, it, be, it is actually one of the things that Jesus marries in, Re, in Revelation. He marries the city. I think some of the significance of that is that these two cities represent really two concepts of, of government that are really antithetical to each other. Babylon representing how Satan would run the universe and Jerusalem in the concept of, of how it is, it becomes apparent revelation representing the restoration of God's system of government. So in the end, what we're looking at is, as we always say, is God versus Satan, you know, and, and these are, these are cities that are, you know, are kingdoms or whatever you want to call them that are representing each one of those. And so uh, it's great that we can look behind the scenes, you know, of these two, um, you know, what's God at work doing and what's Satan at work doing? And Daniel uniquely lays that out for us. You know, we can see that uh, as we move forward, we'll be able to see exactly what sort of the modus operandi is of both of those, you know, entities. Okay. Yeah, let's dig into the, a little bit of the history and the context of, of what this passage is about, of the time that... You know, it talks about a king and it talks about the, this king of Babylon. And yeah, so Jehoiakim was, was a puppet king um, that was actually set in place by Pharaoh Necho of, of Egypt. I don't know if you remember the story of King Josiah. He went out and did battle with, with Pharaoh, who was on his way really to, to kind of intercept the Babylonians. And uh, it's kind of the story of, of God's people being stuck in the middle, got, got kind of caught in the middle of it. And so Jehoiakim was, was this puppet of, of uh, uh, Egypt, and Nebuchadnezzar now is, going to, is coming to um, essentially replace him with his own guy. 
That's why he's besieged Jerusalem at this time. Okay. So what does it mean that King Nebuchadnezzar besieged it? Because I know that has some significance to it. That's not just like, <laughs> he, he, like he rolls up and says, hey, I'm going to take all your stuff and, and, and get out of here as quickly as I can. He's not, you know, he's not a thief in the night about it. Yeah, the, the besiegement is a, it's sort of a waiting out thing. You know what I mean? A, a lot of times, um, and, and we've seen pictures of this in, in history of, it's a, basically, it's a surrounding the city and uh, waiting it out, denying supplies or water or whatever to be able to go into the city. So a lot of what provokes the final surrender is, you know, those things is a lack of food, a lack of uh, water. And, uh, and it's the methodology of, of Nebuchadnezzar in this case. And it's, uh, this happens to Jerusalem under, under, uh, uh, against Babylon three times, right? That's correct. This is the first of three, three events where, where people uh, in Judah are taken uh, into captivity. This first event, um, Daniel and his friends and some of the, the, the more noble people, no, the nobles, I guess you would say, are, are carried off. But um, if we read the, the book of Jeremiah, we, we understand that, that there was a struggle going on between people wanting to constantly rebel against the Babylonians and try to, try to throw in with the Egyptians to, to undo this captivity, or not captivity, but domination at the time. And uh, Jeremiah had warned them, you know, you, this is God's will. It's going to happen, you know, you're going to be carried away for 70 years if you don't, don't uh, just go ahead and let it happen. Uh, but they still rebelled. And three times, they, the final time, the, the city was destroyed. And there's, a, there's actually, you know, with Daniel's, with him being taken away, there's actually scripture that predicts, you know, exactly what's going to happen to him in, in the court of Babylon uh, that we can study later. But back to the notion of what you said, Andrew, besiegement yeah. is, is we should also look at, okay, because we're going to, a lot of what we're going to do with what we're, as we go through this historical narrative is, is, is try to look at it. how does that relate to how Satan works against God's people today? You know what I mean? We, we want to take those lessons and make them applicable to our situation now. That is to say, if the, one of the primary methodologies of Babylon is to besiege Jerusalem, what does that look like in our spiritual lives? Today? Right. What's, what's the modern day spiritual application of, of these principles? Right. Because it's not that we are, it's not that we're, you know, alone in, in this struggle, but you know, there's a, there's a concerted effort against our, uh, against the church, against goodwilled people. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly are, are facing struggles and. Right. And I think that you can actually extend that thought just into our individual lives right. as well. Um, because if, if we would identify the principles by which these two, that, that these two cities um, perhaps represent, you know, Satan's system is born on selfishness. That's, that's, that's what he, that's what he came up with an, an idea that, that, uh, uh, that had its fulfillment in self-interest. And that's, that's, that's really the opposite of God's system of agape love. Um, and that same thing besieges each and every one of us daily in our, in our, our own lives. That's why Paul said, you know, oh, wretched man I, that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of sin that because this selfishness permeates us and it's, and it's constantly at, 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 at odds with the, the, the love of God that the spirit wants to bring into us. 
Right. So it's, it's like each of these cities are representing one of those characteristics, whether it's Jerusalem and the purity and of agape love or Babylon and self-interest uh, and not caring about anybody else, but what we can essentially gain from, from others and take for ourselves and plunder. Exactly. Yeah. And, and one, of the, one of the first things we need to recognize before we look at what Satan is attempting to do, we have to look at the position that Jerusalem has allowed itself to be in you know, from a spiritual perspective. Mm. And that is to say is this Jerusalem was in rebellion, you know, against God. Uh, And so, you know, God sent them prophets like Jeremiah and to speak to them about, you know, their, the rebellious nature. And, And for years in advance before this happened, they were being told to repent and turn away from their ways. And so we have this, uh, this church, let's, let's, let's just go to the spiritual side of that, that we have this church who with people in it who are, rebellious against the God who is their protector. And, 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 and they find they're the ones who find themselves being besieged by the, you know, the craftiness of the devil and through Babylon. So we can't just put, put this whole situation on the Babylonians. We have to understand that this is also the choices that, you know, the body, uh, the, the, the church was making, you know, we'll, we'll call it the church because, the, you know, Jerusalem is representative of the church at that time. And so um, there's several steps that we can look at in that that allow us to look at the condition today as well. And that is to say, are, you know, is the church, can we can ask the question, are we similar? Is the church similar to uh, the, the way the people in Jerusalem were? Is it similar today as it was back then? Yeah, I think that's an excellent analogy because, in, in essence, it's Babylon is besieged because it has strayed from God's purposes and ways. Um, it's much the similar to what happened all the way back in Eden. Um, you know, the, the devil, it's, it's because, because decisions are made that, that are, are, are uh, not in harmony with what God would have them made or as he would have them made that, that uh, sin enters into the world and the, the, the same thing just repeats itself. Right. So it's this just cycle of, of power and abuse and getting what you can get while it's good versus what God is trying to show people that is something completely different. And so how do we, uh, I guess to make this a little bit more practical, you know, when we, when we think about, uh, the, you know, these two models of existence, how do we um, break out of that Babylonian mindset? And, and because we are, we can easily be besieged. And maybe we should talk about that first, like a, l- a little bit more about how the besieging part works in our spiritual lives. Because when I think of that, that is, uh, you know, something where, you know, you have in nature, you have animals who are very patient and they'll wait for their prey to mess up and look for, look for an opening so they can, they can go in and attack and, and get their prey. And I think it's similar with, you know, Satan is looking for an opportunity, you know, even we, plus we just live in, uh, in a world that just naturally falls apart. And if we're not being mindful about how we're using our time, how we're using our relationships and maintaining things, you know, it'll just naturally fall apart. We, sometimes we don't even need Satan to, to tempt us and do things. Has that been your experience? So besiegement is a, it's a waiting game, right? It's sort of like, okay, first off, it's characteristically um, takes on a surrounding kind of idea. The city was typically completely surrounded, so there's no access 
There's no um, getting in and out. And in the, uh, I think, I, and I couldn't uh, tell you that this is fact, but I think this particular besiegement took, it took two years, the first one, if I remember correctly. Um, and so think about that. In the beginning of a besiegement, how differently you would feel than towards the end of it because of what, what's going on. Because in, inside the city, there's this finite resource you know, a group of resources that you have in order to exist and survive. And so spiritually, we, we, we find ourselves in the same situation as this is that as our spiritual, uh, uh, as we are the ones that are allowing our spiritual nourishment to be cut off, you know, because of our rebellion, uh, Satan kind of just tightens the, you know, the gap around us. And um, doesn't uh, he actually doesn't uh, he, he purports to not allow us to be nourished and strengthened by the things that keep us safe in Christ? So we we there's no food, you know. Uh, there's a diminishment of the word in our lives. There's no water. The Holy Spirit's you know having less effect within us. Those things begin to happen until we're ripe for the picking, so to be so to speak. Does that, does yeah, that make sense to you? It's a very it can be a very slow, gradual process, and you know, we've already talked about legalism and what that means. And it's, it's not that you stop uh, uh, trying to be good because we know that legalism has no part in the gospel, but it's, it's the, sometimes it's just forgetting to, uh, you know, um, pray in the morning or, you know, focus on God's word or even, even just being grateful and, and cheerful and, you know, kind of giving up those small little um, daily reminders of God's goodness and you, and you start to uh, get focused on yourself again and what you can do and how you can be the provider. You know, if you know, we, we, we live in these busy lives where we're constantly rushing around trying to make money. And at least that's what the Western culture has us believing. Yeah, I think it's kind of self-evident that we live in a world in which we're surrounded by the, the trappings of, of Satan and his ways as sometimes it's just oppressive. It's downright oppressive for us. How we find our way out of that morass is, is actually one of the questions that I think the, these first few chapters of Daniel identifies because there is, a, there is a false idea of how you get out of that. And that's actually what the word Babel, Babel itself represents, uh, suggests. It comes from two words that mean means the gate to God. And so Babylon had its roots in, the, in that the building of the Tower of Babel where people were trying to actually attain them, uh, the, the heights of heaven through their own effort, which is essentially what you were talking about when you're talking about legalism. And uh, that's antithetical. Again, it's the very opposite that of, of, of what the New Testament teaches us that the good news is. And I think in, in these first stories that we're going to be looking at later on, we see that a, a true picture of God because it's, it's, it's the picture of God that, that gets confused and gets distorted through, through, the, uh, through the besiegement that Satan has, has uh, that thrusts upon you and I. I think if you would, were to ask the average person today, and I'm not just talking about Christians, I'm talking about people in general, you know, do you feel the oppression of, the, you know, of life? Uh, they would say yes today, and the, the, the people don't even know that they're being that they're under this besiegement of Satan today. They just like people who aren't aware of 
you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, aren't aware of the great controversy in the background. They just know because um, they're feeling like there's pressures that they don't know about that are just pressing in and life has gotten very difficult and they don't know why exactly except. And so they blame it on things, extrinsic things in their lives. And this is, this is exactly what the devil, the condition that the devil wants us to live in in our lives is to feel like we're being besieged because sooner or later what happens to people is just they just acquiesce to, yeah, okay, well, we'll just do what we have to do, you know, to survive. And, and that could be, be that means being carted off to Babylon, so to speak, uh, spiritually. And so this is a very real beginning to uh, the experience of those of us who live in the world today, all of us who live in the world today, it's uh, spiritually, we can relate to, you know, what is happening here. And we also have to take responsibility for if it's happening to us because, you know, Jerusalem needed to be more responsible for uh, allowing it to get to this point in time. I, I think that, you know, before we get too, too depressed here with our thinking <laughs> is that we want to we wanna look at, you know, another part of this verse that, that, that's important. Um, and that says it's Nebuchadnezzar who came to, to besiege uh, Jerusalem. Well, you see, Satan may have a plan, but God also has a plan. And what we're going to see unfold is that God has a plan. He's going to convert this, this man. He's going he's gonna to use Daniel and his three friends, and he's going to turn Nebuchadnezzar into his servant. And so, and, and we can take heart from that in our own lives when we realize that, okay, no matter how sometimes bleak or, or crazy the circumstances may swirl about us, that the, God still has a plan. God's plans usually come, come to fruition. So, and God always plans good for you and me. So what would you guys say to somebody who is really struggling with some difficult circumstances in life? You know, they're just kind of feel maybe they're stuck or trapped, you know, and maybe, and and we have, we have, there's just so many, uh, you know, mental health concerns these days. And it's definitely, uh, something that we feel, you know, inside of us, you know, this, this mental state of, of feeling like we're surrounded and we can't move anywhere. And it's, you know, it's this lack of, freedom, you know, in our, in our thought and our, in our ability. What would you guys say to somebody who's going through that? Well, I would, I, I think some of the things that you're, you're describing, we, we could say, you know, maybe encapsulate in the word anxiety. You know, there's a lot of anxiety that people undergo because of, of the circumstances of life. And the antidote to anxiety is peace, which is, again, Maybe interesting in the fact that Jerusalem is the word Salem, the last part of it means peace. You know, that's where I think Shalom comes in. I think Hebrew says, um, talking about Melchizedek, he's a, he's a king of Salem, he's a king of righteousness and a king of peace. And, and that really is the solution for anxiety is peace and peace has its, has its fulfillment in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the very, it's the very first benefit we get from from uh, um, accepting that. Yeah, I think, I think it's like Paul, Paul uh, the Apostle Paul says in a statement, he says, consider Jesus. And so I, I, th- I think that we should, like what we can, we can direct people or we can tell people to try is to, uh, like the old song says, turn their eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so, I, I mean, what we have 
at this moment in time is the only thing that we can do for people who are in, and, and, and most people in the world are in this position of being besieged by the devil, the only thing solution we have for them in that is to consider Jesus and to, and to tell people to turn their eyes upon him because there's the solution and there's the peace that, you know, that comes to us as we believe in him. And as Bob said, and so that is, it's, I know that sounds very simple, uh, but it is simple. It's the, because it's the only solution to, to the problem. It's both simple and, and, and it's consistent even throughout the scriptures. One of the verses that always struck me in terms of when we think all the way back to Genesis and the flood was that there's a verse there that says Noah found grace in the eyes of God. I, I, I really like that thought that, that Noah, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And that's what Noah, what Noah did is he found grace there. That's the same grace that, that is offered to you and me. Um, God has always been willing and desirous to dispense upon his children. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I want to thank Bob and Jeff for joining me, and I can't wait to talk more about Daniel and Revelation. So if you haven't gone to our website yet, please visit AdventistCityMinistries.com, and you can share the podcast there. We have a bunch of different platforms you can listen on. And uh, so until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Jeff. And I'm Bob. All right. God bless.